Let's get straight into our thinking point for today. Elvis Masoha is an independent political analyst and he's been reflecting on the relationship between politics, greed and self-enrichment. Mr. Masoha, good morning and thank you for your time today. Uh, my dearest Kathy and our listeners, my best to you. Let's talk about this relationship then that you have been exploring between politics, greed, and self-enrichment. Uh, share some of your thoughts around it. Yeah, you know, no thanks, Kathy. Maybe let me begin by saying, you know, there is uh, this, you know, ancient, you know, political philosophy that undermines the origin of politics. You know, despite the contemporary political practices that are usually based on, you know, patronage, you know, flattery, deception, and deceit. But if you delve into ancient history, you realize that the concept of politics was organically designed in order to serve community. It was based on goodwill. It was based on altruism. It was based on selflessness. That's when ancient communities, because the population figures were expanding. They started to identify one or some who might represent their community in terms of trade, in terms of societal engagement, in terms of engaging with other rival communities. So that's where the historical evolution of politics come. Originally and historically, it was based on honesty. It was based on fidelity. It was based on selflessness. But as, you know, society evolved, centuries after century, that's when the element of trickery and deception comes. People started to realize that we can pollute the concept of politics. And that's why the pollution of politics has been taken over even to the current situation. So don't be surprised when even right now in the 21st century, you see greed, deception, you see cunning and flattery, becoming the embodiment of politics, we mustn't be surprised. It has been polluted to that extent. But is this a feature of postmodernist society alone? Or, um, you know, does it have its roots in, 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 in the nature of, of politics historically? You know, where, uh, my dear Casey, you know, when we are talking about the, the corrosion or the pollution of politics, it is not necessarily confined to South Africa or the African continent. It is a, a, an evolving universal trend. The only variation is the degree of the pollution of this politics. That's why you will find uh, some scholars saying that corruption in country A is far much worse than corruption in, count, in, in country B or C. So the only difference is the variation of gravity and degree of corruption, uh, greed and self-enrichment. But it, it, is a, it is an evolving universal trend. You can't wish it away. Even if you can delve, you follow American news, you follow the German politics in France and other countries. The element of greed, self-interest and deception are always there. But the only problem is that they vary in terms of gravity and degree of perpetuation of such corruption. And that is why even right now, a simple example, you know, when you delve into the ancient political philosophy in terms of the origin of politics, they will tell you that politics was designed to serve society. The people must always be the first to benefit. The people must always be the first to eat. 
they felt to be empowered. But come to 21st century politics, the leaders are the first to eat. The leaders always make sure that they are the first in line. The leaders always make sure that they are first to be empowered. When you talk of government contracts and tenders, leaders, their family members, their associates are the first to benefit from any uh, you know, you know, empowerment that comes from government. So that is how politics has changed. But the origin of politics was based on goodwill. You are supposed to advance society. All right. We're going to continue the conversation with Elvis Masoha, who is an independent political analyst shortly. Luyanda Maume is standing by with your 9.30 news headlines. Continue the conversation on the talking point, the number to dial to get in touch with us this morning at 011-714-2006. And on the WhatsApp line, I'll take those messages on 0614-104-107. On Twitter, it's at SFM Radio. The hashtag there is SAFM Talking Point. So we're talking to Elvis Masoha. He's an independent political analyst, and uh, he's been exploring the link, the relationship between politics, greed, and self-enrichment. Elvis, you've described, you know, effectively how politics and maybe even politicians have evolved from what you say was actually a noble cause behind why politics, uh, you know, started in the first place to where we are today. At the same time, though, there is a significant role that society itself plays when it comes to propping up certain individuals and giving them a certain status in society that allows them to ultimately do what they end up doing and getting away with murder effectively. Yeah, you know, during the historical evolution of the corruption or the corrosion of politics, those who wanted to pollute, uh, to pollute or corrode politics, they realized that they have to create particular supportive, loyal and psychophantic cliques or groups, uh, subgroups of individuals who must be able to support them. And and the principle has always been. Let me corrupt this subgroup or sector of individuals so that they will always have a reason to support me. And it explains why uh, the most notoriously, you know, uh, well-known corrupt politician will always receive support, even though he might be charged with whatever allegation of corruption. There will be a significant support of people who support him, necessarily because uh, those kind of, you know, politicians became aware that you need to invest in those people so that they can support you in future in case you might land yourself in trouble. So you can't find a situation, Casey, whereby uh, a politician who decides to embrace corruption will do that alone. will make sure that you identify a group of loyalists, some associates who become accomplices in this corruption you know, enterprise that you have started so that you are guaranteed of support in case you might land you know, in hot water in as far as law enforcement is concerned. So it's a tricky. Uh, the, the, the question might be, can we stop corruption? Can we get rid of corruption? Practically speaking, it's, it's like you know, trying to climb you know, the Mount Everest. The best that you can do is to put it under proper management. You can control, you can manage it, but you can't get rid of it because it is an inherent behavioral trait that is not easy to can change. 
I, I hear the argument that you're making around, you know, people establishing those that will become uh, loyalists and effectively support them despite whatever it is that they may be facing. But what about political ideolo- ideology? What role does that play when it comes to the kind of commitment that people have either to political parties or even to individuals? Remember, whatever, whatever political ideology that might be, remember ideology originates in terms of conception from philosophy. So obviously there will be those, the so-called thinkers. And usually if you trace the, 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 the history of philosophers, there were people who were challenging or critiquing the, the, the political status quo, the likes of Plato, Aristotle, you know, you know, you know and other philosophers, who predates, you know, our history. They were challenging the political status quo. So meaning whatever they write or whatever they advocate for, other people, they are going to embrace it as and adapt it to their current situation. The simple Czech socialism and uh, capitalism or even communism. The, the way, for example, Karl Marx, you know, you know, you know, crafted, you know, the concept of communism and socialism is not necessarily the way it is practiced even in the 21st century. You check, uh, can we say Russia or even China is the contemporary example of socialism in, in the way that Karl Marx and Vashayn did? Absolutely not. So that is the problem. People who adapt historical concepts, they doctor those concepts so that they can suit what they want to achieve. The same applies to ideology. You can create whatever ideology that you like, but the most important thing, it becomes subservient to what you want to achieve. That's why a person can start a new party, draft a manifesto, appeal to the people, and if they believe him, it becomes his own ideology, whether it's right or wrong. So so what is the recourse then that we as people who are most of the times in the majority um, over these individuals who we will then call politicians, is there a different way that we can be rethinking our approach to parties, to individuals um, that perhaps can help us shape the world we live in for greater good? You know, the only best hope that is available and alive, especially for uh, the, the majority of citizens, is usually their vote. Because remember, in, in a democratic setup, we have created a, a societal situation whereby your vote has power in terms of de- deciding the kind of a political environment in which you want to live. So we, we deserve the leaders we have. If, for example, a nation ends up electing, for example, a, a very corrupt president, we deserve that corrupt president because a corrupt president doesn't impose himself. A corrupt president doesn't hijack authority, comes as a result of receiving millions of votes from ordinary citizens. So in as much as we want to point fingers at these the so-called corrupt politicians, we deserve them. We are the ones who vote for them. We are the ones who put them in public office. So the only hope that is available for citizens, and, and thanks God, those who don't support corruption are in majority. But the minority that support corruption, that benefit from corruption, they've got political power. 
But they are not aware that political power comes from your vote, from my vote, and from somebody's vote. If you can withdraw that political power from them, that's how you change uh, the society. That's how you create a society that you want. So that is the only way. Society has got that absolute power as to what kind of a political government you want, what kind of a councillor do you want. Nobody can force you to vote for Elvis. Nobody can force you to vote for Kathy. So mm-hmm. that is the only, the only hope, Kathy.